1: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Three minutes past 10 o'clock, about a month ago, I hatched a plan. I I consume my Next Guest content daily. I reckon if not daily, certainly every second day, I said to my producer, Ben, I I wonder if we could... Throw a fishing line out there and try and get Chris Ryan on our show. And it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. He's been so generous to accept this. If you're not aware of who he is, he's the incredibly talented Chris Ryan. He's editorial director at The Ringer. He's a pop culture and sports podcasting superstar. If you look at him on the internet, they describe him as the MVP of podcasting. You'll hear him on The Watch Pod, The Ringer NBA Show. And my personal favorite, the rewatchables. He joins us from L.A. this morning. Chris, thank you so much for your time.
0: Kane, thank you so much for having me. This is a real thrill. Uh, that, that's, it's,
1: I, I just want to... Um, I, I, it's hard to do this, but I want to almost express my gratitude because, I mean, the last 18 months have been tough for a lot of people and people are looking for an escape. Uh, and you and Bill... And Sean, you all provide that escape for millions of people across the world. So firstly, uh, my gratitude to that. And I want to speak about, I guess, the the connection that you have with your co-hosts and those that you work with at The Ringer. Can you take me through that and describe what makes it um, really special?
0: yeah well, I mean, thank you so much. It's been therapeutic for us as well. Uh, I'm glad that Bill mispronouncing actors' names has has soothed the world <laughs> worldwide audience of the of the podcast um I've, you know, it's funny that you should ask me that because this is just the 10-year um, anniversary of the launch of Grantland, which is the website that Bill launched ESPN that I used to work for him at. And it was 2011. Um, and I actually was just looking at a couple of the pieces I wrote back then, which is just so wild to think of it being 10 years. But you know, I, I've known Bill for that 10-year stretch. I've been friends with Sean since the early 2000s. We knew each other in New York City growing up, uh, coming up, writing about music. Uh, back then, and so it's really a friendship first, and then, you know, we started the Ringer, and Bill had a TV show, and it was sort of like the podcast thing was was definitely a, a of, of interest to us. And Andy and I had been doing a version of the Watch at Grantland, so we knew that we were going to do podcasts. But I don't think anybody anticipated podcasts becoming what they really? what they've become over the last couple of years, and it's just become basically my entire job now to, to, to appear on these things and to, to work on them. And it's, it's obviously, you know, it's it beats working for a living. How did you meet Bill? How did I meet Bill? So I um, was buddies with a guy named Chuck Klosterman, who's a, a writer here in the States. He's, he's written uh, a bunch of really wonderful, uh, of adored, critically acclaimed books and has a huge fan base. And Chuck and Bill were working on Grantland, which was this ESPN site that was supposed to be this like funky, weird version of sports journalism that ESPN was underwriting. And Chuck said that Bill needed a, a soccer writer. And I had written about soccer, but I was definitely like, I think bluffing a little bit about how much I knew about soccer or how how sort of qualified I was to do this. But I met Bill at a 30 for 30 screening party in New York City for for 10 or 15 minutes and then it kind of went from there and then I moved out to Los Angeles in 2012 to work at Grantland and take on a bigger role at the company and just I've just been with him ever since.
1: Your knowledge of all things is what strikes me like you, you're an expert on movies we'll get to that because a, a lot of us listen to the the rewatchables which is revolutionary but uh, also your knowledge of sports so, so what is your background and I guess, how do you know as much as you know? Do you ever sleep at night?
0: (laughs) Well, I like to think of myself as, like, I've just sort of figured out a way to professionalize what a lot of people would like like to do or just they everybody's a fan of movies and a fan of sports and i just got lucky that there was a moment in sports media or in media in general where like that kind of thing sort of became a job um i my background is like i'm from philadelphia so a lot of the philadelphia sports teams raised me in you know i came of age at a time when the nba was kind of the like the like I don't know. I wouldn't want to say like the stepbrother of professional sports, but it was like a mm. weird time. And it was like right when Allen Iverson, I don't know how big he was in Australia, but Allen Iverson was kind of the my my icon growing up. And he really changed the perception of the NBA in the States. And And it was the really fun thing to kind of come of age about because it was also like hip hop was exploding uh, in the mainstream culture. So there was this collision of a bunch of the things that I was interested in Uh and everybody wanted to talk about those things. And as the years went by, I think that my generation of, of sports fans kind of came into sports media and said, you know what, I also, the way I think about sports is the same way I think about movies. And it's the same way I think about music. And I, I, I talk about my favorite actors the way I would talk about my favorite point guards. And, and you just kind of, we just sort of found a place to do all that stuff at the same time.
1: Yeah, so we have the culture in Australia of sitting sitting at the bar and, and talking sports, or you know, turning up to work and, and talking sports. You, you've made essentially a living out of doing that, and and the culture of sports where where you live and in America is just it's like a religion. Is that the feel that you wanted from the ringer? As if you're sitting around with a group of mates, sharing a beer, talking yeah, about sports. Yeah, that sport was and movies. that was always
0: Bill's line on the place. Was that he wanted it to feel like the. The, the conversation you were having at the bar come to life, you know, and that it was your smartest friend at the bar who seemed to have a couple more statistics in his back pocket or seemed to have like a couple of more facts in his back pocket. But for the most part, it would be like talking to a friend about about whatever it was, whether it was hockey or whether it was, you know, Breaking Bad and, and Mad Men.
1: Mm. So we're, we're, we're live on radio now, but we also you know, podcast everything that we do and, and all that. And I guess our goal is to, Get the audience wherever they are, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's live on the radio in your car, whether it's you know, video content on Twitter, which is, is what essentially is, is I'm assuming, the business model at the Ringer.
0: Uh,
1: how has podcasting changed sports media in America?
0: Well, there's a lot of it. You know, I mean, there's a lot more pods than there were like today than there were three years ago, even. This is like, I would I'd venture to say probably two to three to four times more. You know, there's this weird competition. I mean, I I, I love going on radio and it, it I don't think it's a competition between radio and pods, but I do find it fascinating how pods are starting to mirror radio more. I mean, here in the States, we're doing more and more stuff that's closer and closer to the action that we're talking about. So ordinarily, when I first started out, if something happened on a Sunday night, it wasn't that strange to talk about it on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Mm. And now the expectation is, is that you will be talking about it on Sunday night after it happened. If there's an amazing basketball game, if something incredible happens on a TV show on a Sunday night, you're expected to kind of be there for it because that's when people really want to do it. I think a lot of that has been driven by social media and just the fact that people go and gather and start to chat about the finale of Mayor of Town or a Nuggets-Suns game. They want to talk about that right now. They don't want to wait until Wednesday. So it's kind of created a more of a live reactive feel to a lot of the podcasts. And then on the other end, you sort of have serial and a lot of the pods that are more narrative and produced and take a long time to kind of come together, but can often have really deep rewards. And the
1: ability now to attract the celebrity, like the, the genuine A-list celebrity, like I don't know, seven days ago, yourself and Andy on the watch, you've got Kate Winslet on speaking about finale. I'm still the not finale.
0: convinced um, that I still feel like I might be in the Matrix. For that, that happened. I'm not sure if that actually happened.
1: No, it, it definitely happened. Like I mean, that that just just wouldn't have happened. And so she's giving you half an hour of your time. She reveals that she's actually a fan. She's been listening along. She's really enjoyed uh, yourself and Andy's coverage of of May, which has you know, captivated everyone here in Australia as well. Like, how does that eventuate? How do you get her on?
0: Well, Kate, I'll tell you something. You know, you were talking about how the way the last year has changed things. When around like April or May, and, and you know, we kind of were starting to get our bearings of like, okay, we're going to be doing this over Zoom and everybody's going to be working from home. I started getting emails from the networks here, the TV networks and publicists for people. And they're like, hey, by the way, this person's around if you want to talk. Because everybody was home. So mm. all of a sudden, these people who you would usually have to jump through a lot of hoops for, they might have five minutes as part of a junket, or you know you, you would have to sort of wait and turn, like and maybe you'd get picked out of 50 shows or 100 shows that this person would give you 20 minutes. All of a sudden, they were just sitting around at home. And they were kind of open to talk, and so Zoom really changed that a lot. There, he, you know, there's no way that Kate Winslet would have done our show if it involved her being in LA, coming to the office, being, you know, having everything there like just right. But she was able to just call in from wherever she was, pretty simply. Like not not like you know like what we're able to do right now. So I think it's one of those things that I don't think we'll ever really fully go back to. The way it was before because this this part of it i love being in the studio doing the shows together live but when it comes to that kind of thing people are just so much more available if all you have to do is send them a zoom invite
1: you mentioned oh, she spent 37 minutes or something with you on air you, you mentioned that she was great off air as well and she
0: had a laugh yeah. i mean
1: i think you've described her as the best actor in the last 25 30 years what, what was she like in person off air
0: great hang yeah she's great she was just like I, I mean just cracked us up immediately like she said that she's probably you know she saw it was funny because everybody associates her with these period pieces where she's you know in these jane austen adaptations but she said that she's m- more like mayor than any of the characters mm. that she usually plays and you could kind of see that like she mm. she had a dirty mouth and she was just like really really a, like a ton of fun and was really um was so so nice of her to, to come on the show twice
1: so the rewatchables is is the absolute sweet spot for for a lot of us. You know, I'm 38. I was born in '83. I feel like the movies that you cover are the movies that I loved and were so influential in my childhood. How was the idea to make a podcast discussing discussing movies that are rewatchable born?
0: mostly came out of me and Bill quoting Heat to each other all the time. And can you give us a bit weird. as well? For, can you give us a few? Uh, I mean,
1: I mean we, we're live, and she's got a great, art, great ass. is a good one. I didn't Did know, you know
0: that it? would fly. Can, can you give us that? <laughs> I Come had on. coffee what? with Macaulay a half an hour ago. Like that, yeah. But <laughs> me and Bill would do that to each other in the middle of meetings, and it's really funny. One of the, my coworkers, Mallory, she just watched Heat for the first time, and she sent me a text to say that, she now finds me three times funnier because now she gets, like, all the references <laughs> that I've been making for the last few years. But we, you know, we just kept saying these lines to each other and talking about how much we had watched it. And I think in the, in in the also at, in parallel, Bill had been thinking about doing something about his favorite sports movies. Because when we launched the Rewatchables, we also started the sports Rewatchables. But we just kept saying it, kept saying it. And then one day he was like, why don't you just come on my pod and we'll talk about heat? and we did that before we had like the categories and rewatchables and i think we had like the format down but we obviously there was obviously like this huge response to it and there are other great heat podcasts i mean it really has become a thing where if you love a movie you can pretty much start your own podcast about it and 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 find stuff to talk about every week if you want and then it kind of just it just snowballed from there you know we we've done lots of different kinds of movies but you're right you know we just did raiders Um, We did Goodfellas. Those were kind of like we wanted to save a couple for when we were able to be back in a studio together um, and kind of play off of one another rather than, you know, when you're doing it on Zoom, you sort of you talk and then you wait and the other person talks. But um, yeah, like those those movies are really the ones that we grew up with because they were either always on cable or we had them on VHS or DVD and they were just kind of always on. And those are the ones people seem to really respond to.
1: Take me through Goodfellas because I mean th- th- that was a monumental <laughs> one. You, you you're all vaccinated now, so you've gone to the studio over eighteen months. I guess you've been doing it over Zoom, and, and you could feel the energy in the room. I think you went out after for dinner. I think that was mentioned. What what yeah. was it like to be back together?
0: It was great. I you know I've seen Sean a couple of times, but I hadn't been in a enclosed room with. Of- with Bill in a very long time, and we had a lot of pent up energy. We've been talking about doing Goodfellas for such a long time. I think the only one that he's teased more is Boogie Nights. Um, <laughs> but you know, when I watched Goodfellas, when you when you actually sit down to rewatch one of these things to to do the pod, sometimes it's something that I've seen a couple of months ago, like on the off chance. But usually, it's like it's been a year or two. And Goodfellas, I was like, oh, I I know every line of this movie. Like, mm. I, I, if I thought I had forgotten any of it, it just came rushing back. And those are the ones that are really fun to do because that's when you get really, really lost in these minor details of the movie, rather than like the big scenes that everybody already knows. But yeah, it was great. You know, I mean, it was great to see everybody. Our, our, our producer Craig was there. Uh, our, our buddy Corey was there shooting us. So it was, it was, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, my, my personal favourite Die Hard was unbelievable. Loved Back to the Future, Heat, of course, and Departed. Check it out. Rewatchables pod. You, you will not regret it. Hey, I'm conscious of your time. So, but I just do want to talk about sport because I know. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, that's the other passion. I'm taking you away from the Nets and the Bucks, the, the playing in the playoffs at the moment. So I, I do appreciate it. Uh, what's the, the landscape in the NBA, I'm interested in, and the Nets in particular, where they're just creating these super teams? Is it good for the game or not? What's your view?
0: Well, I think it's bad for people like me who cheer for the Sixers uh, for Philadelphia, who are, who are maybe facing down some realities right now about what's been created in the Eastern Conference. Look, it's, it's actually this is this is not new. You know, I mean, this is pretty much what Durant and the Warriors did several years ago. And, and you know, uh, after after the LeBron championship, they put together a super team that I think would be, still be winning championships today if Durant had stayed in Golden State. Um, I appreciate what Brooklyn does. I really don't have like any kind of like personal political issue like within the NBA stuff the, of them doing what mm. they did. I do think it sucks that you know Harden had a contract with the Rockets for several years, and I, I, he essentially got to have free agency early. Like you could make the argument that it should be closer to like European soccer, and I, I don't know what the rules are for for Australia where if mm. it's. You can essentially agitate for a transfer anyway, and and if Pogba wants to play for PSG, he can. But for us, it's I think it's like we're still getting used to that idea that a guy with a several years left on his deal might just say, you know what, I want to go play with my buddies in Brooklyn, and we're going to create a super team, and there's really nothing anybody can do about it. What, what's your viewpoint from from over there? Like, do you think that it seems that it's it it, it saps the competition of the league?
1: Well, well, well. I do. I, I feel like that it's just impossible to compete. I mean, because they get paid so much money. I, I guess that the salary cap now becomes not not as relevant, and the prospect of just going and creating a team, almost like a video game, isn't it? Where you can just, you know, chuck yeah. on NBA Two K and create your own team. I, I get that that's enticing for those fans, but the loyalty of sport i love and look we have player movement in our big game over here which is australian rules football just we'll get your view on that in a second whether you've seen any of it but it's just not as prevalent as it is and and we don't have the mature attitude towards players leaving as what uh you guys do over there can i pick you up on philly um ben simmons is an aussie he seems to polarize uh polarize the nba landscape Uh, some people don't rate what he does, but from the outside, he, he seems like a you know a top-20 superstar. Well, What's your view on Ben Simmons and what he's done?
0: So I'm a huge fan. I might be in a little bit of a minority for Philadelphians. I think that Embiid is really like the sort of avatar of that team and is, is definitely like the main force of that team. I think the problem people have with Ben is that his reputation or the perception of him coming into the league was that he might be the next LeBron, that he might be this gifted, enormous playmaker – and you figure, like, the shot will come with with a couple of years, uh, as it did for LeBron, and it just hasn't. And, in fact, has almost sort of gone the other way, where now I think he only shot three times. He only took three shots in a playoff game in the mm-hmm. second game against Atlanta. That being said, he essentially threw the cuffs on Trey Young and did, like, this incredible defensive job and has been amazing on defense all year and can still pass with his eyes closed and is just this... I think really unique talent it's just what people expect it's not what people expected and I think when you do get into these playoff situations where it's almost required now if you look at the Nets that everybody be able to shoot and everybody be able to create for themselves when when Simmons is so limited offensively in that way it kind of becomes more glaring in the playoff playoffs
1: well said uh, we'll see how they go for the rest of the playoffs um, I, I can't not I can't interview and not ask you about Bill Simmons and the genius that is Bill Simmons, um, the influence he's had over you, and, and I guess by extension the landscape and the multi-million-dollar uh, business that is the Ringer that is now um, owned by Spotify. Um, Bill Simmons, what makes him great?
0: Well, um, I'll say this: Bill is incredibly, on a personal level, Bill's just like, incredibly loyal. Like I, I and, and Bill has just been, you know, a huge. Huge figure in my life, he changed my life um ten years ago, and you know he continues to change it by having me on like the podcast that that he does but uh, in another way, i mean you people ask me like what Bill's like a lot and um I I would say you already know. You know, like the one thing Mm -hmm. I really love about Bill is that Bill is pretty much Bill like on microphone and off. And he's funny and he's thoughtful and he can be frustrating, I'm sure, for some people who don't like Boston (laughs) sports. But um, he really is uh, such a unique brain in the way he thinks about the world, the way he thinks about sports, the way he thinks about culture. And I remember I was working in a record store on St. Mark's Place in New York City in the early 2000s and he was writing his column for ESPN and I would read it It was like the yellow background from ESPN's uh, page two and I would read his columns and I would just be like this is so weird this is exactly what I've always been looking for you know when you're reading sports writing and you're thinking about like what would you really want to read about like you you, you want to read about the sports the way Bill wrote about him then he had such a huge influence over the way people write about sports now um, but yeah, he's just a, an amazing guy, um, and I think he just really – he has a really good eye for talent, and I think he has a really good feel for how to structure things. Like he's – I never really probably would have come across the idea of like the rewatchables should be 20 minutes of us chatting, and then it should be all these different categories that we, we, we fill through, fill out. And he's just really good at that kind of like giving things shape, and uh, yeah, it's it's been a, a, a dream to work with him. What's next for the ringer? Uh, I mean hopefully getting back in the office you know yeah. I can't wait to see these guys it would be it would be really cool to get back to what it was uh, the first few years that we were around because that was really like a blast is being in LA we work off of um, an old Hollywood sound stage like a studio lot in in hollywood um and they shoot like they they used to shoot scandal there they shoot tv shows there so you'll be like walking around trying to get into your office and all of a sudden they'll be driving by with a huge set for a tv show um but i really would like to get back into the office and um get back to making pods with people in person i mean zoom's cool and everything but i would love to come visit you guys one day
1: Amazing. The, the invitation's there. Hey, Chris, before I let you go, have you have you seen any Australian rules football? Not rugby, Australian rules football. Kane,
0: only your highlights. You know, right. I was, I, I was trying to thoughts? do some research. I mean, it looks amazing. It looks incredible. I got it. Maybe we got to start a, a rules football pod. It's, it seems like, <laughs> is there a lot of like, I mean, is there is there like a lot of media around Australian rules football? Do you guys have like a, a Skip Bayless of Australian rules football? Well, is, some may say that's me.
1: I I I don't oh. I don't know. I hope I hope I hope not, but uh, so the, the view to go against the grain is is what you're what you're looking for. But I mean a lot of us base um sort of look up to, you know, Colin Cowhead and, and skip yeah. Bayless to a lesser extent to um, to you know, to the likes of Mina Kimes, who's doing great things on on ESPN, and oh, oh, she's a awesome. regular yeah. on the on the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, Stephen A. Smith, and these got We we and and you like we all look up to you. So the influence that you have is is far and wide, mate. I I can't thank you enough. It's been a long time coming that I floated the idea of perhaps getting you on. I, I, I honestly feel like you're a mate of mine because as I said, I consume your content so often. It, it, you've delivered everything I, I thought you would, and I really appreciate it. As does our audience.
0: It was an absolute pleasure. Please have me back on again if you guys ever want. I would love it.
1: Oh, that, that We will definitely do that. Uh, Chris Ryan, our guest this morning, you can look him up on Twitter, at Chris Ryan 7070 he's the editorial director at The Ringer, and, and check out the podcast uh, if you haven't done so already, which I think you'd be in the minority, The Watch Pod, The Rewatchables, Ringer NBA Show. Uh, it's 25 minutes past 10 o'clock. I'm just going to dust myself off and compose myself live from LA in his home studio, The Ringers, Chris Ryan on SEN this morning. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP 01005.